Diz Life Podcast is brought to you by Pinch of Pixie Dust Travel. People who love Disney understand that life isn't about the breaths you take, it's about the moments that take your breath away. That's why we help coordinate the most magical adventures for you and your family. Disney, Universal, Sandals, Norwegian, Carnival, and more, we are a full-service concierge travel agency that will help with every aspect of your journey. Let us take care of the details while you enjoy your family. Get a quote today by calling us at 570-832-7798 or fill out a trip request form at pinchapixiedusttravel.com. Just follow the second start of the right straight on to your adventure. That's pinchapixiedusttravel.com, where you're making memories one trip at a time. Stop walking while I'm squawking. Caramba, we have something really big for you today. And now, the show that has the whole town cooking. Welcome, foolish mortals. Howdy, folks. Please keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the train and remain seated at all times. Now then, hang on to them hats and glasses, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Diz Life Podcast. My name is Mark Valentine, and I'm the host of Diz Life Podcast. Thank you so much for making our show and our network part of your Disney life. Don't forget, you can catch all of our episodes at DizLifePodcast.com. While you're there, smash that subscribe button. You can find us on Instagram at Diz Life Podcast. I'm on TikTok at Diz Life Mark, and join us on Facebook, living my best Disney life. Uh, if you're a fan of the show, consider becoming one of our incredible Patreon members. Support us by visiting patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreons get access to all kinds of bonus content, special VIP live streams. They're going to be getting a lot of our Disneyland videos that are not going anywhere else except for the Patreons. So if you want to get a behind-the-scenes look at my family's vacation to Disneyland, there's only one place to go, and that is our Patreon page. Yet again, my co-host... Let's give him a big ahoy hoy to our friend, our Disney pal, our incredible co-pilot, the one and only Disney fanatic, Greg, Greg to infinity and beyond. Ahoy hoy, Mark, and ahoy hoy, Diz Life podcast listeners out there. <laughs> I'm still on the Epcotian thing. Oh, man. How are you doing today, sir? Listen, I was, I'm was i going to start off today by saying thank you so much to you and to the whole audience that is listening for having me join in as co-host. Uh, this has truly been a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to the future between you and I. This has been great to start off with. So to infinity and beyond, my friend. Dude, it's been, uh, it's been a fun week. We So for those people who do not know this, Greg and I hang out and we do Disney entertainment and review with chip every week over at chip and company's amazing brand new family of podcasts. And then we get to play while trip is away on a podcast called and company. And then that drops every single Thursday. We recap the week's top news stories, talk about our Rushmore or Disney Rushmore's and then provide a hot take. It is fun it can be irreverent. We have a good time over on and company and you can head over to chip and company, find, find them everywhere. You find your podcast, subscribe there. 
But Greg and I are living our best podcasting lives lately. I will say this. Boy, that escalated quickly. It went from, hey, can you co-host or guest host once in a while and walk us through this to uh, I Star wars in my pants. Uh, fast forward to now uh, I have five, six, six <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> six, six podcasts. Uh, a show on YouTube at least twice. And then uh, you, myself, and Mousepiration Mike are on Diz Live uh, on Mondays, which will be returning in the near future, we were taking some time off for our families on that, but man, this all escalated so quick yeah. and I am, I'm not kidding. I, well, you just said it. I'm truly living my best is life. Yeah. So dude, speaking about which, like, let's recap your Walt Disney world week. Did you like do anything fun? Did um, you new, anything new and exciting at Disney parks? Yeah. Did you know that there's a new roller coaster down here? There uh, is guardians of something. Uh, 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 back to the future. No, back to the, re- <laughs> no, uh, please be kind. Rewind. No cosmic rewind. Uh, so I had an amazing father's day, um, with my, with the whole family. But in the morning I got to take Rory over by herself to Epcot and we got to ride cosmic rewind together. Um, and it was just so relaxing and so much fun. Over at Epcot, they have uh, little placards that you could wear. And they all said, like, best dad. We got out and um, doing the C's with Nemo. And it was like, hey, there's Marlon and Nemo on a plaque. Let's go get a picture. And then uh, Mr. Incredible on a plaque. And there's Figment above our heads. It was just uh, – and then we sat around with the family the rest of the time playing games and hanging out. So it was wonderful. Today was Magic Kingdom, and it truly was magical. I mean – I lived a dream, man. I'm I'm really happy. How was your week? It was good. Uh, never as magical as yours. Um, working on the insurance business, the insurance grind always keeps me busy. Uh, what? In, and that's not fun. In between, listen. It's very uh, it's very fun in that it provides my family with the opportunity to have time. I'm I'm a small business owner. So to that end, it's great that I can spend the time that I want with my daughter. Like she has half days at school this week, so I can pick her up. We have been watching Jurassic Park together because she wanted. So, okay. So listen to this. She wanted to see the newest Jurassic Park. I'm like, you can't do that. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't just go and see the last of six films. You have to watch all of them. So we Did you, are you going to do that to her on Marvel also? Um, so those, we have to, we have to pick an insertion point as to where we want to go. I don't think she wants to do the entire MCU. So Uh, Rory and so anyway, go back to Jurassic park and then we'll move on to Mars. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's it. Like we, we sat down we watched the first Jurassic park. We broke it up. She's, she's still 10. So these full feature length films can get pretty, I mean, kids have a TikTok attention span nowadays. Anything that is over God, you're a boomer. Yeah. Anything that's over like three (laughs) to five minutes for these kids is long and arduous. So my day, these kids sit through 75 minutes of an animated movie called the last unicorn. Yeah. So we, we will watch like we did it at like 50 minute clips. We did three 50 minute segments for like Jurassic park. She loved it. The last half, like the third act of that film when the dinosaurs are chasing everybody around in the velociraptors, the kid was glued to the television. How could you not be? But she liked it, man. Like we had a good, we had a good Father's Day. But to that end, to kind of uh, combine concepts, this is why with summer and the kids being off school and then families being at home, 
we're trying to live up to these professional and personal obligations and trying to be there for the family. So we're going to be taking those Mondays and Wednesday nights for the live streams and spending them by the pool and movies on the big screen and just living our living our best lives with our family. But we will be back with Diz Live. Don't fear not, ladies and gentlemen. Everyone's like, oh, no, where's it going? It's not going anywhere. We just need a little time for the summer to recharge with the fam. I think we've got to skip over that Marvel thing. That's actually going to be a really good episode. Getting your kids into the Marvel universe and how do you get them started? Because that, that's so let's a do that. massive undertaking. Yeah. So let's do that. That's a great idea. Let's get Brian Lee in here when we do that. Because Brian has cracked that nut. He has several children who are very, in, like his son and his daughter, very into the MCU. So I want to know how he did it. Because I can't, I can barely get my daughter into Star Wars. She just barely started watching Rebels. Eh, she's into it, but I don't want to. It's like um, Tom Hanks. You don't want to blow out the embers. You want to stoke the fire. I have I, made fire. I got my daughter to watch a little bit of the end of Mandalorian season two. And she was she was in the room with me. Like yeah. she wasn't like directly involved knowing everything that's going on. But she was in the room with me and just kind of peeking up. And it was like, oh, 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 yeah, like, <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe. And maybe? then she asked a question. I was like, oh, I almost have her. Got her. <laughs> it's like you're fishing and you don't want to pull up that line too. I don't even I'm go doing a fishing quoting <laughs> thing. I don't know anything about fishing. So and then uh, <laughs> you were like, pray I don't alter the deal any further. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm trying to tomorrow I'm sitting down with the whole family to watch the other Obi-Wan Kenobi series in its entirety oh, with everybody. Yes. It, so. finale, finale tomorrow. All right. So thank you, dude. This is always fun. Here's the thing you don't know. Greg and I can sit here and literally have these kind of discussions for hours and hours on end. But dude, we're eight minutes in. <laughs> I enjoy this banter. Is there a movie? <laughs> what yeah, were we talking I, about today? I, so for those people too, thank you for joining us here today. On today's episode, we are going to be blasting off into hyperspace, reviewing Pixar's Lightyear, starring Chris Evans as the title character. And here's the concept, Greg. You ready for it? I am ready for... Give me the synopsis. Okay, so in 1995, Andy got a toy from his favorite movie. Lightyear is that movie. How simple of a concept is that? That is a, and you know what? That's exactly what this movie is. That's it. It's a Buzz Lightyear movie. Now, it so really many, is. Okay, so the, here's here's going to be my one criticism. Ready? Mm-hmm. Here's going to be my one criticism. For months, the marketing campaign of this movie, no one understood how any of this was happening. It's like, wait a minute, how can this be Buzz Lightyear? And then there's a toy and no one understood the concept of it. We just knew it was a light year origin story was what it said. Mm -hmm. And like that, just those words, origin story rattled around in our collective brains and it caused all kinds of dissonance to the point of where our cup runneth over and it boiled over. They should have just released that tagline like eight months ago. That should have. That should have been the teaser trailer. That should have just been the teaser is just the black matte finish, white lettering, and then titling. In 1995, Andy got a toy from his favorite movie. This is that movie, Lightyear. They didn't have to release another dang thing until the movie dropped. And we would have been, we would have been in. 
We would have been I, in. I, I was in from the beginning, no matter what. I was but too. I was too. I, I will throw out, you throw out your one criticism. I will throw out my other, my, my, I have a few, not as many. And it's definitely, I, I think very highly of this movie, but this is the, the 1995 Andy got a toy from his favorite movie. This is that movie. This movie almost feels like it should have been a reboot of that movie. Fair, very fair, <laughs> very, very fair. <laughs> and I don't want to give too much away. Okay. Um, well, so I'll, yes. I will leave that there and let other people hold. See it. Yes. So hold, hold that thought, hold that thought. Okay. So we're going to do, let's get into the plot. We have so much stuff to discuss. Again, you, both you and I are very high on this film. We both like this film tremendously. So let's do a quick plot recap. Thanks for hanging out with us for 11 minutes and 28 seconds. But here's your notice. Turn back, hit the pause button now. If you intend to see this film, we're about to punch it and head into the vast depths of light year lore. Wow, that can get it become a tongue twister. So if you don't want the film spoiled, come back to this review once you've seen the film, you have been warned. Light year lore. There, light year lore. All right. So here's the film in in a nutshell and what we love about it. So Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger from Star Command, his commanding officer and his best friend, Alicia Hawthorne, explore the planet to Connie Prime with their new recruit, who they just call Rookie. Because uh, Featheringhamston, fe- fe- Feathering, fre- Featheringhamston, Featheringhamston, Rookie, he's going to give me the eyes. He's going to give me the eyes. It's going to be sad eyes. So Alicia Hawthorne and Lightyear, they're forced to retreat from their exploration uh, as they are attacked by the native species on the planet. Buzz causes damage to the vessel because in true Buzz Lightyear fashion, he thinks he can do it all by himself and he winds up marooning and stranding the entire crew onto Connie prime. One year later, the crew constructs a colony. They start life on this new planet and buzz volunteers to test a new hyperspace fuel, which is a key component to the repair of the ship. After four minutes of the first test flight, he finds out that for him, four minutes have passed. For them, four years have passed. And so due to the effects of time dilation, having traveled at relativistic speeds, Buzz ages at a very slow speed to the rest of the people living on Takani Prime. And then the real meat and potatoes of the story begin. Up until then, it's pretty much just a sci-fi story. But then once time dilation gets introduced, which we're going to talk about that later on, then the real feels and the Pixar magic starts to hit this movie. But it is a great movie, incredible cast, lots of action, amazing humor. Linda will tell you, Socks stole the movie for her. Absolutely loved it. But Greg, let's get into the characters first. Let me ask you, I have so many questions for you, man, because we really haven't discussed this yet. This is happening for the first time. I, and we've kind of traded, hey, let's just review this film, but we didn't get into the weeds. Right. Okay. Let's start with the cast and crew of this wonderful reimagining of this character that we all came to know and love, right? We know Buzz Lightyear. We had four Toy Story movies with him. We had various Pixar animated shorts. And yet, Chris Evans brought something very new to the character. Um, let's first, I want you to address this. Okay. First, part A. The controversy surrounding Chris Evans' casting. 
Did you have any problems with Evans as Lightyear? What did you think of his performance in the role? Do you think he added any nuances to the character? Was this different than Tim Allen? We've already delved into on our news broadcast the the how do we say this? <laughs> <laughs> let's just skip over that. Let's let, let you can go back and listen to that podcast if you really want to hear some of the uh, uh, craziness. Cons- Craziness that is in revolving around some people and what their thoughts on this movie. Um, so I'll start off by saying, first off, I agree with Linda. Socks stole this movie for me also. Uh, and we will get into Socks in a minute. Chris Evans as Lightyear is perfect. Um, his cadence, his way of talking gives you that feeling of what the toy of Chris Evans is going to become that Tim Allen Buzz Lightyear toy. We know from toy story one through four. So you get a little bit of that cadence in how Chris Evans talks. Um, but no, at the end of the day, this is Chris Evans movie. He is buzz. He is Lightyear. He is the, he is the original origin story of Buzz Lightyear. I have no issue whatsoever of Tim Allen not being a part of this movie. I have no issue um, saying that, I will now think of Buzz Lightyear as both Tim Allen, the toy and Buzz Lightyear, Chris Evans, the, um, I almost want to say the human form of him, uh, is probably the best way I'll describe that. Yeah. Um, I don't know why people got so upset about Tim Allen not being involved in this. Uh, Chris Evans was always going to be Lightyear from when they started this movie off. Uh, you and I had discussed, uh, prior to the show, how both Tim Allen and uh, Tom Hanks had basically bowed out of the Toy Story franchise. They yes. were done. They had done their time. Four years, what was it, 30, almost 30 years worth of four films? Yeah, so 95? people don't know that. Like, So say it louder for people in the back. So there's been so much controversy. Why wouldn't you give it to, to, to Tim? Why wouldn't you? So he and Tom Hanks said... After Toy Story 4, thank you. This has been an amazing two and a half, three decades of visiting these characters, but we're done. Tim Allen quite specifically said, I'm done with this character, but I think you should continue this. He gave it his blessing and said, I think Buzz Lightyear deserves a film, and I think that that should live on. And I'm sorry that it's not going to be me, but I think it should be something. Evans was Chris Evans was the director's first and only choice to be the replacement for, for Tim Allen. Mm -hmm. He accepted people don't, people may not know this whole story. Tim Allen said, I'm done with the character. The director said, I want Chris Evans. He called in Chris Evans. Chris Evans took the job immediately and Evans drew his inspiration from Tim Allen. He lowered his voice. You talk about the cadence of his voice. He studied Tim Allen's cadence from the Toy Story movies. He took his voice modulation from Tim Allen specifically. He lowers his voice to where you have to really train your ear to know that it's even Chris Evans because he does some really great voice acting work with the character. But he plays the character straight. Tim Allen is the comedic, goofy, cartoonish version. Because after all, you are a toy! (laughs) Simply said, you are a toy. You are the toy version of what is on the screen, what is part of this movie. Uh, now let's address one other thing, and I'm just going to throw this out there. Okay. We've talked about this in the past. Yes, sir. Um, a lot of people are like, well, the 
the voice of the toy or whatever should be the same voice that you hear no, on screen. No. Now, we've talked about this before. Look, Tom Hanks's Woody has always been Woody. He never did any of the toys. He never did the stuff at Disney World. He is not the guy who you see walking into Toy Story Land. That is his brother that does his voice. So even in the same movie that people want to complain about, you have a to- – yeah, yeah, it's just crazy that the theories that are out there that people are spewing around this. And look – Again, it's all verbiage for what really is the problem that people have with this movie. I, yes, 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 100%. So many people have other issues with the film, and so they're just apt to jump on other criticisms that might be a little bit more, let's just say, socially palatable to fight versus making it all about the other stuff. I don't want, we've, dude, we've litigated all that in previous podcasts. And yeah, I don't we want, don't need to go through the whole thing. Well, you know what? It's, we don't need to, but also I don't want to steal the creative thunder of what this team has done with this film and diminish their accomplishment with all of that political kerfuffle. Right. I, I watched the movie and I literally sat there and not one of those things came through my mind while nope. I was watching. I had such, I, I'm telling you, Mark, I walked out of there with, uh, after watching it with my wife and my wife and I, yep. Uh, again, watched our kids grow up watching every single one of these movies. We either took one of our kids to the movie or we took the older kids to the newest movies. But every single one we saw in a movie theater. Uh, And it's just, we have that connection of the last 26 years, whatever it is, of taking our kids to this movie. And I walked out of there going, I I felt happy. I felt like I got my money's worth. I felt like I was, I had watched all this turn around. Toy Story 4 ends and it's just, it's such a gut-wrenching ending because that's what life is. So this was this one picks chicken it up soup. And you just yes. go, oh, this is wonderful. This was chicken soup for the millennial soul. Mm-hmm. That should have been the subtitle of Lightyear because if you grew up, <laughs> if you grew up with Toy Story, there was so many nods to your childhood and to the character of Bud Light, Buzz Lightyear. Bud Lightyear? Bud. <laughs> Are we doing going back to Super Bowls of the yeah. past? There was enough of a nod to the character that you did. You felt like you were revisiting an old friend, but getting to know him in a way that you may not have, have known him yet. Mm-hmm. Chris Evans brought so much nuance and depth to the character heart, dare I say. And a lot of that was through the relationships that he builds and let's use that as a transition to talk about Uzo Aduba. She plays Alicia Hawthorne, best friend and commanding officer. Most people know uh, Uzo Aduba from Orange is the New Black. She's a wonderful actress. She's fantastic in that series. She does such a great job as Alicia Hawthorne. But dude, not as gut-wrenching as the midway sequence of Up between Carl and Ellie but I shed a tear, dang it, when he and a holographic Alicia Hawthorne did the infinity and beyond to a recording that she had died two years prior because he had spent much of her life in the stars in the time dilation. Dude, I cried. I was I was moved to tears by their on-screen relationship, even though it wasn't there. And that's a credit to one, the animators who convince you in a short window of uh, runtime that there, that what this relationship is, but that credit goes to the voice actors of Chris Evans and Uzo Aduba to just do a phenomenal job to emotionally connect to each other as scene partners 
and connect to you, the audience, to make you believe that this is a friendship that has spanned decades in the runtime of minutes. Man, I, I lost it when, when they touched fingers and it was to infinity and beyond. That phrase took on an even greater meaning. Dude, I cried at the end of Toy Story 4 when was in Wood and Woody and Buzz exchanged that salutation. Yeah. But now to see it again, good. In a, in a, in a more emotional way, I think. And uh, I think I've just put that whole uh, to infinity and beyond into perspective. Um, here, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you just by one other small little thing that nags me about Pixar and how they do animation. Um, every time they get into an emotional scene, immediately there's a gag. Immediately, there's something funny. Immediately, they got to do that, though, bro. They got to do that. But they don't. So I think this is made for kids, right? This is made for uh, we are adult kids. So it's made for us. Um, I think kids are are mentally strong enough to have to sit through those emotions to understand that there is sadness once in a while. Look, I'm going to go back to uh, Spider-Verse. when they are all telling their backstories and it pans over to Spider-Ham and he doesn't come up with the one-liner that you think is going to be funny, he comes up with, yeah, that's sometimes how life is and moves on. And it's just this emotional scene that doesn't get interrupted by a joke or a gag. Pixar has this thing where you have this amazing, amazing emotional attachment to that scene and that's the scene I'm talking about right there. And then instantly there's a gag. It's yep. like, no, let me have that extra two steps because I'm now invested. I'm watching Hawthorne uh, as, as, as Hawthorne's ghost. What do you uh, her projection from the past? Like she set this up a year, a year before he came back and she knew this was going to happen. Izzy is sitting on her lap and you just know if you know anything about movies that this is going to be the future. So he's seeing the past and the future combined in one scene. That emotion could have stayed there for an extra 30 seconds, and I would have been so satisfied. I'd be like, nom, 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 give me more. Well, I, uh, listen, so to, to continue with that vein of discussion, there wasn't like a huge comic relief. It was like a little like laser shield. The, the new commanding officer came in, and he kind of like ruffles feathers further by saying space program's over. We're going in a new direction. Like we're here. We're stuck here. Thanks for your service. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like too over the top sticky in that moment. Like you, you kind of lived in that uncomfortable state for about three minutes in the aftermath of what's next. Like what's going to happen. It wasn't really until socks knocked that guy out with the, (laughs) with the toxic dart that you then got a chuckle. Yeah, I just think it's you. I think Pixar. That's the only look. I am a Pixar job. Like I love you. Give me up that again. Yeah, and you just use those two to differentiate. I think that does hold up to that up. I think watching that, watching a family like that grow and become a family from dating to marriage to having a child to growing older i think as i get older that scene to me means more than just the up scene of well they couldn't have kids and they you know what was going to happen and you kind of have that foresight that that's going to happen this one was just like man you're watching this amazing family grow together and it is a different family than what 
we're used to seeing on everyday on the everyday screen. Yeah. And it's so wonderful and beautiful to see up there on the big screen nowadays that you don't even question it anymore, but you still have to sit back like we're doing right now and go, oh, it was wonderful to see that when we should just be like, oh, it was just a family doing what it does, yep. which is how we think of those things. So I, I just thought it could have been paced out just a little bit longer because, and I think that's a personal thing. I was enjoying that scene so much and was so invested in that time. So here's here's a tip of the cap to Pixar. Here's the thing. You and I will talk about this later on. There is a time-honored trope that Pixar injects into almost all of their films. You and I talked about this very briefly at, at our sort of postscript when we decided, should we do a review on this movie or not? And we talked about this common theme of Pixar. Here's what's so creative, though, about Pixar. They have such a unique way of introducing that very same concept in a creative way when you go from one film to another. And in this film, the very creative uh, way of storytelling was through relativity and physics. And they approached it from a sci-fi aspect and we have to like we have to talk about this dude we're not going to get too much into the weeds with some of the concepts of the film and the sci-fi stuff but there's some pretty awesome sci-fi and physics in this i want to talk about that effect of time dilation cuz this is the this is the part that i love about it and it really just makes me think like this is the part of lightyear that just makes my wheels spin and it makes it so much more of of a, a real mental challenge and there's some mental gymnastics in it and then I go home and I start to think about the concepts presented in the film. But we're not physicists. And I want to say this. We're not going to get crazy into the formulas. We're, gonna, we're not going to talk about Doppler. We're not going to talk about all of this crazy stuff that like really surrounds the concept of time dilation. But the whole concept of time dilation is really what drives the story forward and then becomes the mission for Buzz Lightyear. Is every time he gets into the starship and he approaches hyperspeed the distance and the time and the speed with which he travels creates a difference in elapsed to time. Time dilation is just that it's a difference in elapsed time measured by two clocks, the clock that is stationary on that planet or relatively stationary versus the clock that's on his starship moving near the speed of light are moving at two very different speeds. And so while buzz travels for four minutes, the people that are on to Connie Prime travel for four years or more. And it's, not, it's a concept that's actually pretty, uh, it's, it's pretty much been explored in sci-fi. It's always very compelling to me. Uh, Interstellar did an amazing job in that oh, movie. Oh, so good. I love Interstellar with Matthew McConaughey and um, what's her name from, <laughs> why am I forgetting her name? You will not find her name in my head. Trust Dude, she's me. such a gigantic actress. Devil Wears Prada, Les Mis. Gosh, dude. I'm, yes. Why am I having a brain fart right I now? I don't know. But uh, the other movie that I think does this really good job is, uh, I don't remember, the Jodie Foster movie, Contact. Contact does it really well. Really well. Um, and I love the concept of how they do that. Where And just a brief thing, it's just, she just floats right through there and but she was gone for days and days and days on, on yeah one of the original that is films, such a sci-fi yeah well fanboy thing lest we forget one of the original films to do this was planet glenn of, close planet, was it glenn close planet of the apes no, no it's not glenn close oh. she's she's young and um 
I gotta Google it because listen, <laughs> this is gonna drive you nuts. Uh, yeah, there there is currently people that are screaming, screaming at the receiver right now and saying like, "How do you not know it's Anne Hathaway, Mark? Anne Hathaway? I'm so sorry." Like what? So I'm gonna I'm gonna let you in a little secret, Mark, and everybody out there. Um, Greg is not the greatest with entertainment. Um, his he does not remember names very well. I normally but, am. I'm tired right now. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, her name was. Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. What, what else was Anne Hathaway in? So, okay, but let's talk about let's let's not get into the physics of it, but let's talk about how on an emotional level, time dilation, this is what hit home for me, man, is I think about this and again, this is what adds so much depth and nuance to the character of Buzz Buzz Lightyear. He seemingly has not lived a life at all. He has spent maybe a week in a cockpit of a starship flying 15 missions, trying to perfect the hyperfuel. And every time he comes back, everyone he knows and loves and cherishes in his life is a little bit older, a little bit wiser, a little bit grayer. They've moved on and it's lonely. And I just like, I think of like, I, this is so stupid, man. You know where my, you know where my thought process went immediately was rocket man to Elton John. Okay. That it's lonely out in space. And then I, I started the, like I said, the, this is what gets my mind grapes going. I think to myself is like, why is rocket man so lonely? Is it just because he's out in space and there's no one else there to accompany him? Or maybe it's because he travels at the speed of light. And then everyone that he knows and or loves has is gone. And all of the sci-fi you think of how many science fiction characters, pilots, are the lone rogue don't have friends, don't have family, don't have people somewhere. And you think about just this concept applied to the genre of sci-fi and you think to yourself, man, I'm going to go a little further than that. All right, go ahead. Think of somebody like Chuck Yeager who is trying to break the, the sound barrier and how often he was up there test piloting all these flights and that's all he did like he lived and breathed trying to break the speed of sound yeah and to finally do that and it's like well what did you do afterwards well then i tried to go to space like it, it's that whole lone wolf concept um but yeah this one goes pretty deep and it's yeah, space odyssey by david bowie or uh, um, that whole thing it, it's it's a really awesome concept to think about i think what pixar does is made it um palpable like you were able to see it in action you, you if especially for kids to soak this in and to understand that now they're going to grow up with this oh well i remember seeing Lightyear, and this was the concept in it and it starts making them think a little bit more uh grandiose i i really love the way that this character developed throughout the course of the film and he's a loner he really didn't have anyone brilliant to have that animatronic cat be his only companion who the cat doesn't age. So here's a question on the movie. Okay. How, when he comes back to the planet, okay. right? So he's up there for, he thinks four minutes. Yeah. And so he comes like, back to Takani prime. Okay. Right. How long does he spend on Takani prime in between each mission? I, originally, like yeah. I thought it was like months. No. So I was under the impression, at least from the first mission to the second, that like he slept and then jumped on the starship for mission two the next night. 
Okay. So I very much I get that. So I very much have the impression of the entire time that's been elapsed for him cannot be greater than maybe a month. Here's the cool thing though. Here here and again, man, here's where my mind just started to really run. How fascinating that imagine in imagine if you could do this and slow down time that every time you returned back to earth there had been such a huge time lapse. Like he really is a time traveler because every time he comes back, the technology is better. Uh, like I just sat there and thought to myself, what a creative way to very realistically broach the subject of time travel. Right. And then you get the character development. You see him starting off. Like it is all about the mission. Everything is about the mission. We must complete this mission yes. to the detriment of others around him, of others getting hurt or not real. I mean, look, does he, he must care, but I mean, obviously by the end of the movie, you get that he's caring, but at this point in the film, it doesn't look like he cares about anything other than writing his wrong and finishing the mission. So all these relationships don't really mean anything. I don't really know that's, too much. To I, him. Okay. So I don't know if that's fair, but I think, I think they did mean something to him. And I think because it was a great cost, emotional cost to him, I think it steeled him even more to say, Come hell or high water, I'm going to finish this mission now because it really truly has cost me everything. I've lost everyone that I ever knew and loved. Well, I was trying not to give away the ending. Yeah, I've lost everyone. <laughs> but I, I really do. Like, I think it, I think if, if nothing else, I think it really steeled him as to why he has to get the descendants of these people home is because he made a promise. But he also, let's point this out, he screwed up. He made a huge mistake in not asking the rookie to grab that stick and to pull them out of that trajectory. He is the reason that they're there. And you see that again later because, okay, so let's, let's talk about this. He meets when uh, upon landing and now he's actually found the secret formula to get him off. He lands and it's now 20 years later and he meets, uh, Peter Sohn socks uh, Dale Souls is Darby Steele. Taika Waititi is Mo Morrison, and Kiki Palmer is Izzy Hawthorne, the granddaughter. Did Kiki Palmer, kill this or not? Like she is absolutely amazing. Great. Her voice acting—you can always tell when a voice actor is a professional. Uh, there's just. And Pixar does this really well. It just looks like it is the it is that character speaking. It yep. feels like that. It has that feel of a real person is behind this. And Kiki Palmer puts so much of herself behind this role. Yeah. So he comes back 20 years later, meets this misfit band of of rookies. They're not even rookies. The the ensemble cast is then brilliant. Bro, Taika Watiti can voice anything, in my opinion. Kiki Palmer, like you just said, was amazing. Uh, Darby Steele, that elderly convict was so funny. And then, bro, we've talked about this. Um, can we do like three to five minutes on socks? Can we just talk about socks? The stage is yours. Socks is yours to discuss. Okay. Here brings up my third problem of this movie. <laughs> and it is not about socks, the character because socks, the character, uh, the, is the 
comic relief is the pet of the of the movie. Look, almost every Disney movie, except for Encanto, had a pet sidekick. This is that pet sidekick, and he steals the show. He, she, whatever. Socks steals the show. Uh, artificial intelligent, very smart, can figure. He's the reason they figure out this crystal uh, fuel that they need, and he spent. 62 63 years <laughs> figuring it out every time uh buzz goes into uh test it for those four minutes that many years pass 20 years or so pass well on this one uh he comes back after 62 years and socks has figured it all out yep so he just said can you just imagine him sitting in the room for 62 years doing nothing yeah, meow, 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 meow. <laughs> Calculating. <laughs> Just I, comic relief. But at the same time, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a well built character <laughs> for people to love. And I loved him. So here's, here's, Mark, save me from this, from thinking this. Okay. Okay. Buzz Lightyear, the toy, is based off of Lightyear the movie. Yeah. Right? Why in all of the Toy Story movies do we never see Socks or Izzy? Right? Right. Now, this is my my major complaint. If Socks, look, we just saw Socks and we are all going nuts over Socks. We love Izzy, we love Mo, like we love all these characters. Why do I not see Socks in Toy Story anywhere? He goes to they literally go to a daycare where there's thousands of other toys. No socks. I Why? listen. I only, I agree. Look, and I, I'm I'm probably because he's an way after too much I mean, about it. No, you you are, but he was an afterthought. He was clearly made for this movie. But I agree. That's fine. Give he us can the be socks. Made for this movie. Yeah, give us the socks cut of Toy Story. How, how long before we have a uh, socks Disney Plus show that runs like two to five minutes per episode, kind of like a Baymax or a Zootopia Plus. There is going to be a socks show on Disney Plus. Socks I guarantee that the Swiss Army cat dude hacking up a fur ball and then he has the flamethrower to cut open the door. I died. What, what's with the uh, the dart that he is keeping just in case he has to take out Buzz? Comic misdirection. <laughs> Dude, that moment was so funny when he's trying to hijack the vehicle and Sox shoots the, 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 the stun dart, the blow dart. First of all, okay, blow darts are always funny no matter what. I don't care. <laughs> the, blow, the blow dart is comic genius it's gold anytime someone takes a blow dart or a trank dart to the neck it's hysterical exhibit so just so random exhibit like, one you, old school he was running through that hallway and it happens and you were just like it took me a minute to visually just to go did Wait, he just blow dart he just hit him with a blow dart dude is that a blow dart in your neck you're, you're crazy man <laughs> I like you, but you're crazy. <laughs> Old school, like he straight up oh, hits man. the security card in the neck with the yes. blow dart. I bought you five minutes, and then meow, 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 meow. comedic genius is repetition. And then again later on in the film, socks blow darts the other version of Buzz Lightyear, and he's like, "I liked your version better. I like you better. Mm -hmm. I bought you five <laughs> minutes." He says it again. And it's the same joke, and it doesn't even matter. It's just as funny. Um, Socks, bro, Socks steals the movie. 
He adds so much levity to the script when it's just so needed. Uh, so here's a, here's a question, and I, I apologize for interrupting no. you. Uh, go ahead. I did not take my kids to see this. They are they're going to go see it on their own because they're all old enough too. Yeah. Um, what was it like watching uh, Bella's reaction? Did so? Did she get the whole thing of <laughs> socks? Like, I want to know uh, just her reaction <laughs> on socks. Like, did she love so, it or was she like, uh, oh no, her her mouth went wide open, like she was about to just burst out laughing hysterically inappropriate but realized we're in a movie theater so she had to hold it in so her <laughs> mouth just went like like why like i want to scream she loved socks linda loved socks uh linda could not wait to come and see it we saw it a second time i actually saw it twice this weekend bella could not wait to go back like she she loves cats period so to have a robotic cat that was comic relief and did all of the classic things a cat should do and the purring and, and then at the same time be like a super genius and a super computer and the ultimate companion socks steals this movie. The oh, tree- speaking of the purring thing. Yeah. Like that was a, such a great gag. What's it doing? Where, yeah, <laughs> what's it doing? Like he did not realize that if you actually pet the cat and show it some compassion and love, the cat would br- give that back to you. Listen, in why, compassion don't, and love. why don't you just go play with that mouse thing? <laughs> so the such a cat owner movie yeah the 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 ensemble cast is just so wonderful in this they repeat the again the very famous story of family found pixar does such a good job of family found in in all of their movies and this group of misfits become a group of family and a group of friends but together they wind up infiltrating. They come back and the world has been taken over by Zyklops robots and Zerg, who we know is the arch nemesis of Buzz Lightyear. So then they have to then go on a mission to overtake the Zerg ship, battle the Zyklops robots. And we learned along the way on that journey to get on the ship, dude, we've been eating sandwiches the wrong way for a long time, haven't we? Can I just say that that was the favorite line in the whole movie for me? Sticky, I've literally, I sticky fingers. Was it? Was it? Ju- I thought it was juicy. Fingers. Oh, juicy, juicy fingers. Juicy fingers. It was juicy fingers. So wait a minute. Week, wait a minute, man. I have been. How do you? How do you? Quoting, dude. Wait, wait a minute. What do you? What do you do? What do you? How what do you, do you eat your sandwiches? Bread, bread, meat, bread. Bread, meat, bread. It's too much bread. It's too much it's bread, too much man. Bread. It it just sucks the moisture out of it your just, mouth. Yeah. How can you do bread, meat, bread? Yeah. Sticky fingers. Juicy. Juicy fingers. fingers. <laughs> Juicy fingers will live on in this household for many years because I will not let that die. Anytime I go to eat a pickle, I'm like, ah, oh, juicy fingers. Uh, My wife hates me for it. Um, but <laughs> she absolutely hates me right now. Um, I, Dude, yeah. Um, the, the running Juicy gag, fingers. Juicy fingers had me roaring. The pen, the pen gag had me. Every single time. Okay. So wait, wait, wait. Hold dad on, joke. That was the ultimate dad joke. Yeah. Ultimate dad jokes. Um, have you had to make a sandwich uh, uh, meat bread meat yet? Um, we should do that. Let's have a cooking, let's have a cooking demonstration for Lightyear. Let's just do a random cooking demonstration for a YouTube. <laughs> let's do I it think for we should, Patreon. I think we should put a random cooking uh segment up and do juicy fingers. The Juicy Fingers Lightyear Ham Sandwich. I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. I will put my camera downstairs in the kitchen and hang it up and we can make Juicy Fingers the Lightyear Sandwich. Juicy Fingers the Sandwich. 
So <laughs> we will figure out. Yeah, look, um, the ultimate that the, the pen joke, the finding, yeah, and the the finding the characters coming together, seeing what their weaknesses are, seeing what their strengths are together. Yes, uh, the 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 fumbling and bumbling. Pixar does that really well. Uh, again, getting to slowly learn who the characters are and what they stand about and what is important to them. Really well done. Okay, so question for you. How did you react to and what did you think about? Because here they are, they infiltrate the Zerg ship, and then we learn mm-hmm. that Zerg is not who we've ever thought him to be. They do such a great job in developing the character of Zerg. Here, he's just been this cartoonish character in the Toy Story movies. We don't even know who he is, aside from just being the arch nemesis to Buzz Lightyear. How did you react to the revelation that Zerg is actually Buzz in a mecha suit from the future? Now, that was interesting. Um, now, I will say this. I, I thought it was um, originally that it was his father is what we learned in Toy Story 2. Mm-hmm. So you kind of go in with that knowledge. But then to get the bomb dropped on you of who it really is, it is him from a different future. <laughs> That was uh, a Star open Wars. mouth shock, and it was one of those where Holly turned to me and went, oh, "What?" <laughs> and I went, "Oh, I don't know." And I didn't know how to react in that moment because it was such a revelation. Like Luke, I am. It really like, was. No, no, it and really it was, was brilliant. It was such. Look, there is so many little little homages to other science fiction movies in this. And yep. that was the homage to star Wars done so well, dude. I, so when you learn what buzz Lightyear becomes in some alternate reality, it then also then like, that's what I loved is then in that moment, it provided the greatest source of growth for our main character. When All he's ever wanted is to matter, right? The mission, the mission, the mission. And then he meets Zerg, Buzz, and he presents him with the solution to the problem, which is, I need this hyperfuel. I know how to go back in time. I can now correct the mistakes of the crash onto Connie Prime. I can fix it all. I can make it all so it never happened. And then Buzz refuses well, let's let's go back to go. a second. All right, go. Um, Josh Brolin playing. Yes. How did I forget about Josh Brolin? Was phenomenal. Um, really well done. But it's uh, you. If you know, if you've seen movies, I obviously in the past, it's he's doing it in that fast speak, like not giving you enough time, not giving Buzz enough time to think it through. It's constantly talking, constantly chatter. Let's get this going. We got to go. It's good. It's got to be done now. And if we don't do it now, the whole world's going to blow up. And if the world doesn't blow up, then we're all going to erase our past. Like it's that fast speak of, and you're like, yeah, that's the villain right there. Yep. That's, uh, and if you could just stop and think at that moment, everything would be solved. And it just, it goes on for just enough time. And Josh Brolin does that character really well again. I I was really impressed with how that was done. And that scene, I think, was done really tremendously well. And again, Josh Brolin, man, fabulous actor. Well, again, and we've said this before, that's where these voice actors really excelled in this movie was they're they're reading lines for animated characters, but they invest you in the moment so that when Buzz Lightyear refuses, 
I'm sorry. By the way, I said Josh Brolin. I meant James Brolin. James Brolin. James Brolin. His dad, apparently. I was just yelled at from across the room. It was James Brolin. James. Mark, we we just spent 20 minutes on Josh Brolin, and it was not Josh Brolin. James Brolin. <laughs> he was good. <laughs> Man, James Brolin was excellent. <laughs> so anyway... <laughs> Buzz Lightyear refuses. <laughs> Buzz Lightyear, he refuses to go back in time because then he realizes the implications to that, that there would be no Izzy. There'd be no Mo. That like that these friends that he had wouldn't exist. But worse yet, the lives of all of these people, it it would it would render all of it non-existent. And then this is where, dude, you and I have talked about this. This is where Pixar comes back to the same theme again and again and again of it's not about the destination. It's not the destination. It's the journey. And we see this in Up. We see it in Inside Out time and time and time again. In Soul, you know, it's not about getting the gig. It's it's the grind. It's getting to the gig. Once you play that gig and it's over... You kind of sit back and go, that was it? It's the least important thing. And so we get hit with that same trope again of it's the journey that matters. And Buzz Lightyear doesn't want to render that journey meaningless or non-existent. And man, so much character development. And it made Buzz Lightyear that much greater of a character. Like, I love Tim Allen as Buzz Lightyear. But this moment added so much more depth to the toy and realizing why Buzz Lightyear is such a great character, period, that it floored me emotionally in that moment. Your reaction to all of that stuff. So I'm going to give you a little backstory real quick um, about that. It's the destination, not the moment when you finally get there. Um, When I started off working, I was like, I am going to... I'm going to work so hard that I'm going to I'm going to play in front of 30,000 people as an audio engineer. I'm going to work with bands in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I want to work with the biggest band in the world. Um, and so you set these goals when you're younger, thinking that it's going to take your whole life to get to there. Or if not your whole life, it's going to take a good chunk of your your time to do this. I reached those goals way too quickly in life. Like by the time I was 25, I had reached every single one of those goals. I toured with no doubt they were the biggest band in the world. I worked for a band with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Young Rascals. Like I, I did all these things that I, I worked the Super Bowl, all these things. So I accomplished all these goals. And then afterwards, after all the goals were accomplished, it was like, what now? What now do what? I do now? Now what? Yeah. I have no goals. I have no direction. I have nothing to look for. And then I looked back on it and was like, man, that was the time of my life. I wish I spent more time in the moment instead of trying to rush towards that next thing. Uh, I wish I didn't finish the mission um, for many years. And it took me until probably 37 or 38 to figure out what I wanted to do again. And I'm doing it now. I literally get paid to go to Disney and talk Disney and hang out with you. Um, But yeah, it's about that adventure. It's about 
spending that time while you're on that journey and enjoying and taking a moment to look around you and going, this is what's really important. It's not that end goal. I don't have to get us off planet. We are doing things right. We have a good civilization. We have good people around us. Uh, I have friends. I have people around me who love and support me. And that's what happens here. That's what Pixar just does so, so well. The buzz the light, I'm, I'm trying to think of it like it's the Lightyear character compared to Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear will always be a toy to me. Lightyear will always be the movie that it's based on. Um, Buzz comes out in the end realizing that Izzy, um, he lost Hawthorne. Uh, what's her, the mother's name? Excuse me. Uh, what's her name? Um, the mother of Izzy. Alicia? Yes. So he spends all this time seeing Alicia in Izzy on everything they do and then realizes at some point that he had missed getting to hang out with her and to know her and to spend time with her. So he gets that finally at the end. There's a, yeah. And there's a tragedy to it. There's a, there's a Shakespearean component, sadness sadness to this character that, um, you know, he, he spends and he spends so much of, of his time trying to right this wrong when he kind of missed the life that was there in front of him. And it, people said like, don't keep going out. Like, don't keep doing this. We're okay. And he never tapped into that until it was too late and they were all gone, man. I, you know, I, I think about this and here's where a movie like this just hits home, man. Like it's so cliche, right? Anyone who has a kid, they, they tell you it's over in the blink of an eye. Enjoy it relish every moment, cherish every moment, you know, don't, don't waste time. Like, isn't this us? Isn't this all of us in life? We are very goal oriented as a society, all of us. And I think sometimes in pursuit of those goals, we miss out on life. And there's so many people that then achieve that goal and they don't appreciate the journey while they were in it. I am trying to very much so it was something that I I had that epiphany and I was fortunate to have had it many years ago. And I think there's a lot of us in the pandemic that had that same epiphany of Mm -hmm. what am I doing? Like, why am I blindlessly chasing this goal or running towards a finish line as fast as I can? Let me stop and smell the roses. Let me take to take time to enjoy the journey and enjoy life a little bit more. I think that this movie really tapped into the pandemic sentiment in all of us. This movie very much art imitates life, right? This movie to me captures a moment in time, given what we've all just lived through and the kind of changes that we've all gone through emotionally, intellectually, religiously, and spiritually, this Mm -hmm. movie taps into that for me. To say life is fleeting, life is short, it can be over in the blink of an eye, relatively speaking. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the moment. Don't rush to be in some hurry for some mission. Take time and enjoy every single step of it because it can be gone before you know it. 
And I think that's a theme that you and I have gone back to almost every single episode we've done together. That is the same theme that we always go back it's to. It's an important theme, right? I, I think more people need to realize that theme. Like I wish of all the things I wish I can teach my kids uh, instead of having to go off and miss out on what is going on around them to not focus so much I'm, on that one thing. I am trying to raise my daughter that way. I am very much trying to raise my daughter about happy and healthy is the most important thing in life that you could be. Finding success along the way is also important, but if success comes at the price of your happiness and or your health, it's not worth it. It's way too, it's way too high a price to pay. And I hope that she, I hope that she takes that lesson. I really do, man. I really do. All right. So listen, what do you, what do you rate the film? What do you give the film? What are we going? What is our star system? We have not discussed this yet. What I don't know. Is the, let's uh, let's do his life star system. Let's do um. Let's do out of ten. Let's do out, out of ten. Of, out of ten is good. Uh, I will give this an eight point seven five. I'm going to go nine. That's how high nine. That that is that's intriguing. High, high praise for me. Okay, but here's why it's a nine. You know, I live in that Star Wars sci-fi realm. Yes, like I'm I'm very at home and comfortable. So this speaks to me on a very basic sci-fi level. I love how much thought I can take from the movie and sit in the quiet moments of it. And then just my brain goes off into all the sci-fi mm-hmm. time travel. Da, da, da. I love that. But I also love how much heart there is to it. I love how much character development there is in a character that is very two-dimensional in a toy, but the toy version of Buzz becomes really fleshed out by the time Toy Story 3 is there. I love the character arc. This man, it's so close to a perfect movie for me. And some people are going to think I'm absolutely crazy, but movies speak to us in different ways. And this movie just resonated with me. It's a solid. Oh, that, 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 that leads to the question. What does this film mean to you? This film, again, I think connects with me in a very deep way because I think philosophically, I'm very much in concert with, with the main theme of the film. Mm-hmm. which is don't rush, don't rush to get to some finish line. And again, let me, if, if I may internalize <laughs> this, you and I have had many discussions about Diz life and moving to Florida and this. And I said to you, like, I'm pumping the brakes a little bit, man. Like I love this and I love this show, but I also have pumped the brakes realizing that we have many years here in Pennsylvania And I do have a goal to be in Florida and to live at Disney and do that. But I am also now reflecting as a result of this movie, I'm not in a crazy rush to get to that goal because I have a lot of mission that lies between those two points for me. And dude, there's so much I don't want to miss out on trying to be some podcaster or influencer or even you know, just that end goal of where Linda and I want to be at some point in our life. Like we've got so many summers and pools and, uh, you know, days at the pool and movies and, and trips and right. This will be here when you are done your mission. Right. Look, you have to raise an amazing young girl and you, as I, I get to spend time with my 15 year old Bella's 10, your daughter, my daughter's 15, my oldest daughter's moved on. And so she, I actually have grandkids from her. So, um, 
seeing my own my daughter at 15 and knowing that I can spend that time at Disney and take her there on a Sunday not all the time because she's not a Disney kid yeah but she it's it's enough for for me to get my my <laughs> my enjoyment yeah, out of man. I need out of I I literally I feel like a leech sometimes I'm sucking it out of it but we we as dads have a mission to raise these children to be adults but we can't be so singularly focused on that mission to miss the moments right. of parenthood. So this movie, like when you say, what does this film mean to me? It speaks to me on an existential level. I listen, I know that for people who listen to the show are going to be like, man, Mark has been waxing poetic about a lot of Disney properties. You said this before we even hit record. I think Pixar and Disney animation, Walt Disney animation studios I think they're firing on a whole nother level lately. I think they've taken the art form to a whole different level with their storytelling. Mm -hmm. Like animation will not impress you anymore. So the way that they have to impress you is with this kind of stuff is with storytelling. And I, I dude, I think the storytelling is on a whole nother level, even with Luca and, and Kanto. I think that they are really connecting with stories on a whole different level that speak to people and they, they it, that it's like a testimonial to people who need that message in their life. To me, Buzz Lightyear hit me, it hit me right where it should right now. That's a great thing that we're going to talk about in the future because it's hitting us and our generation and we're loving what they're putting out. There's a generation out there that was like, I yeah. wish I had my old Disney back and I'm going, <laughs> but look at how much more they're accomplishing with their movies and how more in depth they're going. It's art. More, yes. Yeah. It's art. It's really it's, art. It's right now. truly art. So, all right. So I have to ask you this question, man. Um, at the, at the end of the film, it's, it's revealed that Zerg survives. He does not get blown up in the atmosphere. Do you want a light year two? Do you want an ongoing battle with Zerg or is it better off implied? That's a great question. And look, if they're going to put this much time and effort into a sequel, yeah, of course, I'll watch it. Because where else can they go except bigger and better things? Um, the, I think the director did a good job. Uh, I think the acting did a good job. How many more times can you have Chris Evans want to play this part? It would have to be the exact same people playing the exact same parts for me to want a part two. If it's a good uh, I script, I want it. If it's a good script, right. I want it. Uh, the the ongoing battle with Serg, seeing, but by the way, there are three uh, end scenes. Uh, um, so make sure you stick around for them if you are going out to watch this. If you've listened to this whole thing, and uh, there are three uh, post credit scenes to pay attention to. Um, yeah, you know, I think I would want it. I don't, I, I think there's so many other things I want first. Oh, I agree. This, this yeah. definitely moves to the back of the pack, but not to the back of the pack where it's like, nah, I just, I, I, you know what? I don't need to see another Beauty and the Beast. I'm good. Yeah. But I would see Lightyear 2 before I saw Beauty and the Beast part 2. All right. Well, I mean, listen, I will be honest with you. It's a big question mark. Um, So 51 million at the box office, disappointing by Pixar standards. Obviously, there's was a lot of controversy around the film. Um, two questions to you. One, does this move to Disney Plus quickly to salvage this movie? And two, do you think that this film, that a, a, a move or a result like this of 51 million, does this move the, the needle for Disney on their release models? 
this is two good questions that I've struggled with. Um, and over at Chip and Company, we have talked about these many, many times. Um, and we we write about these all the time. Let's let's go back to Encanto for one second. Um, Encanto did nothing at the movie theater to begin with. Virtually. It was, it mm-hmm. was, it was not thought about. Uh, it was kind of left for dead. And then a month later, it hit Disney Plus and exploded. And it took this this slow simmering. Everybody thought it was cute, and then once it hit Disney Plus, it became this phenomenon, and it and it was it was deserved. Um, and then it went back in the theaters and did even better. Yep. Buzz Lightyear, I think, is suffering from uh, Disney uh, tiredness. I think people are tired of Disney right now. I think, and that's, that's because they're kind of being told to be tired of Disney. Uh, and it's sad because I witnessed this on whatever Disney is doing. I see it on ticket sales. I see it in the parks. I see it around us. I see it on blogs. I see it on numbers on podcasts. I see it numbers on websites and people are just tired of Disney because so many other people are saying you need to be tired of Disney. So this film is suffering from that. All right, I'm going to take tiredness. a I'm going to take a very different angle, mm-hmm. and for argument's sake, Chip said the other day he is not going to see it in theaters, but not because he has Disney fatigue. He says it's just very expensive to go to the the theater. I'm going to argue it from this point, man. There's two real primary causes of this. One, we have been in our houses for two years consuming art on streaming platforms within the comfort of our home. And a lot of people like it. Yes. Great point. We're also in the middle of a little bit of an economic downturn where gas is very expensive. Tickets are very expensive. And maybe people don't want to pay anywhere from 40 to $60 just for tickets before popcorn. I'm going to argue that maybe this film is doing poorly because one, people may think, oh, well, it might come to Disney Plus in a few weeks. But also, I just went and saw this movie. Are they saving their box office dollars for certain films and just not spending the way that they were? And that this film just was on the chopping block for that reason of I'll catch it later, but I want to see Thor or I want to see Top Gun or I want to see Jurassic World. I think people are... I think people are making tough decisions with their dollars, whereas people used to be able to go to the movies, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine movies a, a season, gas, increased cost. It's it's not as feasible, man. I'm going to argue, I think that is why Lightyear didn't do well. I think you're you're onto something there. I think it's a bit of both. I think you're you're probably... Yeah, probably 60-40 on your end of that. Um, I don't know. I, I think if you're smart, you can find seeing if you really want to see a movie in theater, you're gonna you're gonna find the money for it. You can definitely find uh ticket prices for cheaper. Yeah, you're not gonna get the large popcorn and the large soda, or even a popcorn and a soda. You're gonna try and sneak in a, a can of Coke and uh some gummy bears. <laughs> not saying that that's what happened. <laughs> we don't, I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. We don't condone you to sneak in gummy bears or pop. 
<laughs> but, but it may happen. It may no, happen. I think you're I think you're absolutely right. Look, uh we Disney Plus has changed the landscape a lot. Uh I enjoy Disney Plus. I enjoy what they're doing. I think Pixar has given the been given the short end of the stick recently. Onward started the trend of it coming out on to Disney Plus only, followed by uh the last few releases were Disney Plus only. And I think that was sad to do that to Pixar because Disney I think Pixar deserved a lot more respect than it was given. Yeah, well, Onward Onward was really bad timing. It got one week, and then we were in lockdown. Yeah, um, I think, you know, I think you said it earlier. I think we're still dealing with the fallout of the whole pandemic, and I think people's habits are different nowadays. Consumption not, habits yeah. are different, man. I mean, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this right now, that I don't know if this moves the needle for Disney on the release model, but... I do think that Disney looks at a temple film like Lightyear underperforming at the box office and at least starts to say, huh, maybe we start to move more subscriptions and have this blockbuster content only start to release there with a concurrent theatrical release model like they did for some of the other stuff like Batman got, you know, Wonder Woman got that treatment. I mean, look how quick. Uh, Multiverse of Madness is about to hit Disney Plus this week. Mm-hmm. It's a short theatrical window. Yeah. So I don't know, man. Well, here, here listen, here's what I'm going to tell you. This movie's a nine out of 10 for me. It's like an eight, seven, five for you. I think this movie, it, it's high praise for me. I'm not just saying that because uh, it's Disney, uh, Pixar. I love this film and I want you to go and see it. Um, but if you enjoyed it, let us know, hit us up with the voicemail, talk to us at one of our socials, let us know what you thought of Lightyear. And then next week, man, what are, what are we doing next week? What do you want to do? What do you want to do here? Wow. You just literally put me on the spot. I did. No, I think we're going to go back into the park and we're going to discuss it something at Walt Disney world. I think we've missed being in the park. <laughs> we missed a little while. The park. So uh, Greg and I, too, as just a little preview. You know what we're going to talk about next week? We're going to talk about holidays, <laughs> like July 4th at Walt Disney Ooh, World Resort. I like we that. We have not talked about the history of and the celebrations they put on and the new snacks. And let's go to Walt Disney World next week, my friend. Disney for the holidays. All right. And I like that. Uh, just as a little bit of a preview, too, for both the patrons and others. Greg and I are starting to flesh out a Dis Life Disney Fanatics do the food and wine festival. I have my reservation. I don't know how I'm getting there to Florida yet, but we are going to try to be there for the opening of the food and wine festival. I don't know exactly what that is. If that's a live stream, if that's whatever, but stay tuned for food and wine as we're going to be talking Disney parks. Greg, thank you for hanging out with us as always. Ladies and gentlemen, we hope that you had a great time talking Buzz Lightyear with us here today. Until next time, to infinity and beyond. We hope the to rest- infinity <laughs> and beyond. We hope the rest of the week is filled with faith, trust, and pixie dust. <laughs> Bye, Greg. Oh, God. This Diz Life podcast is brought to you by the Happiness is Addictive collection. Happiness is Addictive is passionate about spreading laughter and creating smiles worldwide. They love bringing their global community together through optimism, cheer, 
hopefulness, merriment, and celebrating life's magical moments. They know how important it is to celebrate life's adventures, and their apparel will give you everlasting, one-of-a-kind memories through pixie-dusted family photos, compliments from park guests, and magical moments with cast members. They pride themselves on high-quality, custom-made apparel at competitive prices with world-class service. Let them help you create a lifetime of memories, whether you're Disney-bounding, kicking it poolside, participating in run Disney marathons, having costumed adventures, or just living your best Disney life. You can find their Happiness is Addictive shop on Etsy. You can also find them on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Pinterest. They are proud to be featured in Indie Central Florida, the Thoughtful Gift Club, and now here on Diz Life Podcast. Their collection was founded by a 15-year former cast member who knows how to enhance your magical moments for a lifetime of memories with your family. Don't forget to use promo code DISLIFE15 to take an extra 15% off. What are you waiting for? Head over to Etsy and start getting happy today. Follow the link in our show notes and you'll find out for yourself that happiness is addictive. 